Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. Hello, I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. Hi, I'm David. Um, I, I've, wa- I've watched a little bit. Um, um, some would say some would say a fair amount now. Um, but also, as I as I learned, uh, something something approaching probably ten hours at this point. Yeah, it actually turns out to be not that much wrestling. Uh, it's who who have thought? Spent ten hours. Like there's like ten out and ten hours of new wrestling a week. <laughs> Dude, that's nothing. I've watched I've watched a, a week's worth of wrestling. There we go. <laughs> Officially. Cool. Awesome. Austin has declared it. He's the expert. We gotta listen to him. Fifth, I mean look let's put the math is that you know it's Monday Night Raw for WWE is three hours. SmackDown is two hours, NXT is two hours, and AEW Dynamite is two hours. So that's that's nine hours a week of the uh, on the airs on cape on primetime cable. Let alone, you know, Impact has a weekly two-hour show. If you watch that, um, New Japan has hours of we of shows a week when they do when they air. We will never run out of content. Is what We're I'm saying. all over the goddamn place. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Never, not once. Never. Okay, which gets us to tonight's episode, which is going back to the far-flung past of 2011. <laughs> it actually does. If you, we've never watched anything more recent in WWE than 2013. But if we, if we did, it would actually be kind of a significant <laughs> difference from even 2011. Like. But the re- the reason I chose 2011 is because is is I feel like we're going on a bit of a rotation here, and I and I kind of am treating modern contemporary WWE as what would be known in the in the wrestling kind of discourse as the PG era when when WWE went back to being TV PG in 2008. Um, okay. and I'm not really going to go into the history of that tonight. It's not super relevant just to know is that the reason I picked this episode is that it is the start of arguably kind of like one of the biggest storylines of this entire era of time, which is, uh, known as the summer of, of punk or in reference to CM punk with a wrestler at the center of it all. Mm. And we and it it covers yeah the summer of 2011 and i and i feel like for the next few episodes that we cover in this era of time this is what i want to focus on because it's kind of a it's kind of a super interesting storyline for a few reasons but i i want to mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go more into that when we actually watch the episode so where is wwe in 2011 um I mean, I guess they're still kind of in, in a very similar place as 2013, honestly, um, and where they are. It's, it's the only major differences, I think, is that um, NXT doesn't exist yet. Well, it does, but not as it. I think I mentioned NXT briefly in our first episode is kind of like WWE's farm league. If you want to use another sports analogy, its own minor league system that it uses to, to train guys and get them ready to for main WWE TV. But they didn't use start using NXT like that until 2012. Uh, NXT in 2011 is this weird third show that they would do that was kind of like a game show. 
It's 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 like taking some. It's it's supposed to be this like take these rookies and the winner gets a WWE contract and all that stuff. It's kind of like some weird reality show concept, and it also wasn't very good because it was weird. There are hi- there are highlights to it, especially if you're into so bad it's good kind of television. But it wasn't very good, and by and by now it's kind of. It still exists, but, like, nobody cares. Nobody really cares. <laughs> and then the other thing that I guess is important right now is that um, the the brand split is a little more defined than it was before in 2013. I did mention that, like, WWE used to try to, like, combine their rosters and break the rosters up into two groups, you know, Raw and SmackDown and complete keep them separate Mm -hmm. by 2013 that concept was basically dead and it would be officially dead in 2013 later in 2013 and 2011 is kind of like the beginning of the end where they started flirting a lot more with this idea of the raw super show where smackdown wrestlers could show up on raw (laughs) thus defeating the point okay yeah but but it still exists in that like there are certain wrestlers and championships that haven't really appeared on Raw. And I've for context, I watched the most recent pay per view, which was called Capital Punishment. I'll talk about that in a second. And the Raw and SmackDown before hmm. it's before this episode. And there are wrestlers and storylines that really only exist on SmackDown. So it still kind of exists, but if it's important enough, it'll show up on Raw too, is what I'm kind of getting at. Okay, and so huh, the building. But, but, but this, this this is an era where it feels a little more like a crossover episode. Then, yeah, it's it's it. They'll do crossover bits, especially this week and last week's episodes for in twenty eleven. We're very much kind of big, kind of like gimmicky crossovers to try to get ratings. Um, but to that point. Yeah. So the most recent pay-per-view was Capital Punishment. It was a one-time event that happened in 2011 that uh, it took place in Washington, D.C. There are two things that are super notable about that show, one of which is good, one of which isn't. One of which is the fact that they actually built the whole, sta- a whole the set to look like the White House. So it has a very cool, unique Ooh. aesthetic to it. The other thing that happened is they hired, uh, I forget the guy's name, they hired an actor who was a Barack Obama impersonator to show up and do comedy skits. And, you know... Yep, you mentioned that before. And it's the kind of dumb skits that you'd kind of expect. Um, you know, like they do, they make med- they make Obamacare jokes about keeping your, you get you, you can keep your healthcare coverage. And, uh, they have Vicky Guerrero. You might remember her as beleaguered middle management from 2013. And at yep, this point in time, I she, remember Vicky. Yeah, at this point in time, she's not middle management and instead is just a manager for a wrestler. And her character is that she's like a cougar. Hmm or she's supposed to be. <laughs> and so she tried it. So she parodies the Marilyn Monroe happy birthday song at the Barack Obama impersonator until she gets pulled away by secret, oh, by no. secret, by the secret service. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I 
and they have they have the Obama impersonator. Poor, like poor Vicky just cannot catch a break, dude. Jesus. No, no, not really. But they have her. They have the Obama impersonator do a speech in front of the crowd and do the Obama thing. And he talks about he he's cheering for uh, John Cena. I don't. I don't know. Basically, I just feel like having wa- – I recently watched a compilation of Michael Brooks' best uh, impersonations, including his Nation of Islam Obama. This dude just doing this boilerplate Obama impersonation just isn't very funny. Oh. But That's lame. The only skit that was only remotely kind of funny is that there's a rest a comedy wrestler in WWE at this time called Santino named Santino Morella Santino Morella and he his finishing move is the cobra where he like twists his arm into a cobra like move and just hits people with it and it's like supposed to be a kill shot even though it's it's, it's a fucking it's not. It's, 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 like it's just his hand, but he tries it, to it, keep. He tries it, to. It, it, it's these Roman levels of like attack. Yeah, but he teaches the Obama impersonator how to do the cobra. But then by the end of the move, he has the cobra pointed at Obama, and it causes the Secret Service to tackle him <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> okay, I will admit that's pretty funny. No, it was that was a funny bit. I wish that was the only bit. <laughs> that's that's actually humorous. Yeah. So that was the most recent pay per view. So there's so the I so that the new stories actually not a whole lot of new stories right now, especially because the week before on Raw was the People's Choice episode of Raw. Excuse me, Power to the People, where basically most of the okay. matches and stipulations were voted on by fans. You could you could text a number. And you could text your vote, and then then they'll they'll that'll be so like there is kind of plot advancement, but not as much as you'd think because it's not you know a regularly written episode of television. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. there are, but there are storylines going on right now, and there so and we're all building to the WWE next WWE does whose line? <laughs> yeah, uh, probably the most interesting thing that happened is that accidentally there was an accidental glitch in the system during one of the votes. So a guy who shouldn't have won won, <laughs> and they had to like work around oh, it. No. But anyway, the storylines going in is really there's only one big storyline that we have to cover. I'm going to cover all of them, but the, the important one is yeah. This is the WWE title scene. Right now, the champion is John is John Cena. Um, not surprising. Right now, he's kind of in his peak. As you do. His peak, child-friendly, baby-face, good guy character that the internet hates. <laughs> yeah. And... Well, the internet can get over itself. Eh. I mean, some of it's objectively pretty terrible. I had to listen to him do a promo in 2012 where he just made hokey Star Wars references the entire time. It was the worst thing I've ever heard on television. Actually, that's not true. I've heard a lot worse. That's that's it is bad. It was bad. But right now he's okay. he's okay. <laughs> I guess. Word is bad. And he's champion, and he's kind of just getting out of a feud with a wrestler named R Truth, who um, he has a he is a rapper. He ha- normally he has a, like a comedy rapper gimmick, but he is in this special one year period of time when they actually wrote him to be a legitimate threat. 
and he is like this heel who believes that there's a who's like who's this paranoid crazy guy who thinks that there's a conspiracy against him who's holding him down and the and the propaganda machine of John Cena needs to be destroyed and it's like okay actually I'm kind of into this I don't know why they just kind of decided not to ever come back to it for him and him and then just kind of make him go back to being this like comedy jobber but you know he's doing okay work right now but he's kind of hmm. he's on his way out of the feud with Cena because he 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 main evented the last show against Cena but he lost so he, he he's kind of out of the title hunt and incoming is CM is CM Punk. And so CM Punk is kind of part of why the storyline with him is so important is because he's kind of like the first modern indie guy to make it big in WWE. After 2001, after WWE had kind of absorbed all of their biggest competitors and they were essentially a monopoly, they started to take a more hostile attitude towards wrestlers who worked on the modern indie scene. They kind of saw them as, as like, you know, they weren't like, they kind of saw it as like, well, how much real wrestling experience do you have? Cause you haven't worked in WWE, you know, the where you haven't worked in the big league. Yeah. It was all very condescending and kind of obnoxious. And they, would also, and they would also like, they would have, they preferred to like build their guys up relatively from the ground up than kind of take on these guys who've, who've been on the de- who've been on the ending scene for a decade or whatever and cm punk was kind of the first big indie wrestler of his era to break through that kind of those kind of um preconceptions and biases and part of why that is is obviously he's a phenomenal wrestler but also he's incredibly enthralling as as a promo guy as 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 character work he's always done incredible with what they've given him in fact his biggest storyline before this one was this really cool bit where he's he's the leader of a of like a quasi cult called the straight edge society because he's legitimately straight edge and it was kind of another take on this of this gimmick of like i'm i my personal traits in this case being straight edge make me in superior to you people and but he's like trying to get people to to like follow in his beliefs and he's got followers and he gets this like Jesus haircut beard combo <laughs> and he's just going all out with it and it's kind of awesome but they eventually they they end up kind of it ends up kind of like going away and he and he's found new and he's now also the current leader of another group called the New Nexus and I don't I'm not going to explain the new Nexus because that's an offshoot of the Nexus which is a whole other storyline that I would rather I would like to talk about and would like to save conversation hmm. about that for then but just just know that he has a group of flunkies who do all who do his bidding so naturally naturally yeah so CM Punk is now the number one contender for the for John Cena's WWE championship and he's and he's laid out the challenge and he's kind of of the, he's he's given the, a lot of the normal spiel of he is the best wrestler in the world and he's going to prove it at money in the bank but another interesting wrinkle is that he brings up that not only is money in the bank when his ta- championship match with John Cena is it's also the last day of his WWE contract which is actual kind of legit that was legitimately his contract was legitimately running out and he hadn't re-signed yet. 
So he's he's making the threat that he's not just gonna he's gonna beat John Cena and take that title hostage because he's gonna be a champion who doesn't have a WWE contract and he can just leave. <laughs> So that's yep, kind you've of mentioned, you've you've mentioned you've mentioned that 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 plot line before. Yep. Yeah. No. It's so this is so that's where he's going with this right now, and it's kind of and 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 this episode is where it really kicks off his feud with Cena. Last week was all about him kind of earning the right to be the number one contender, and now it's all about like the build up to him versus John Cena, the the quintessential WWE guy versus the the quintessential indie guy. <clears throat> So, so CM Punk is healing right now. Then, yes, he is. He is technically speaking the heel. <laughs> because, because, because he was, he was. I remember straight up face um, uh, in the 2013 episode we watched. Yeah, yeah. Two years is a long time, but yeah, he'll. At this point in time, he is a heel. Oh dang! All right. And so that's that big storyline. Um, the other, I guess the other major storyline we could look at right now is like the build up to money in the bank. Um, I'm, I've explained it. I've definitely explained it on the 2013 episode. Cause it was also the build up where they were yep. also building to money in the bank. That's didn't plan for that, but basically the money in the <laughs> bank, the, basically the money in the bank pay-per-view is where you get a bunch of guys to compete in a ladder match and the winner who it collects a briefcase, the money in the bank briefcase, and it allows them to cash in and become and have a match for a world championship match at the time, at any time of their choosing. And that's kind of important wording because in the long history of money in the bank, what usually happens is there is instead of giving the champion notice and being like next week, I'm going to challenge you for the world title. What instead they'll do is they'll wait until the champion is injured or down or tired or whatever. And just be like, Hey, yeah, I want my world title match right now. (laughs) And so they win with relative ease. And so also being money in the bank, winning the money in the bank briefcase is a near guarantee that you're going to win the world title in the future. They've, they've, and in fact, at this point in time, no one had ever failed to uh, cash in. They've, in the last nine years, they've obviously changed that because it makes it makes it a little more narratively interesting. I think to throw in that kind of twist sometimes that oh, they fail. But at this point in time, no one had yeah. ever failed to cash in the money in the bank. So at this point, it's kind of treated as like a you win this, you're going to be world champion. <laughs> So and 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 right. for, and for 2011 they had two money in the bank ladder matches one for raw and one for smackdown because we're watching raw I'll focus on the guys who are going to uh be in the raw match um and what they're doing and it's kind of like the who's who of the mid card of dub, of the of um of uh raw at this point in time so right now we have Evan Bourne who his gimmick is that he's kind of, he's a high flyer. And as much as that feels like that's not a real character, I also get that like at this point in time, somebody who's like the height, who sees, who has the kind of hyper athletic style that we've seen in like Lucha Underground and AEW, like that, that, that wasn't really super common in WWE. So it actually kind of can be a character that you can do these crazy athletic feats that no other person on this roster can do. But otherwise it's it's the, it's the WWE version of doing, of doing CrossFit or, uh, Mm -hmm. or being parkour. Yeah. 
I mean, they did have the parkour guy, but he's no, he's not in the company at this point. <laughs> Oof. And so Evan Bourne, that's kind of, he's the squeaky clean good guy. Uh, you also have Rey Mysterio, who also does that, but has that air of like the longtime veteran of the game, as opposed to Evan Bourne, who's a lot younger. But I mean, it's Rey Mysterio. You know what he's about. <clears throat> yeah. Um, our truth is also in this in the Money in the Bank ladder match on Raw. Um, we have Jack Swagger, who uh, we've mentioned. We've had him before, where he was our good old fashioned hates Mexicans. We we real American guy from 2013. Now, oh shit, this guy. Yeah, this is our third time with him actually in six episodes. Did not, did not. God damn. I mean, yeah, I think, oh, I forgot he was he was in the nineties too, wasn't he? He was he wasn't in the nineties. He was in the he was in AEW. Oh 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 wait oh he was. Yeah, he was one of Jericho's henchmen in the oh. AEW. Oh, oh nice. Um, and right now he's kind right but right now that's well before he starts doing that character right now he's just a bad guy question mark like he's just kind of this generic <laughs> arrogant dick he's very a generic bad guy kind of a character he has he has kind of a a patriotic aesthetic sort of sometimes but it's not it's not really an important part of his character in any way he's just kind of there <clears throat> Um, the Miz and Alex Riley, uh, I mentioned them both at the same time because they're in a feud with each other. Um, the Miz is, the Miz has an interesting story where like he was a lifelong wrestling fan and he ended up kind of getting into WWE, into the WWE because he was on MTV's The Real World and his shtick there was being an obnoxious wrestling nerd. And they're like, uh, and WWE always won for some mainstream cred. Was like, let let's sign this guy, and train him to be a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. And so and so now he's kind of he plays kind of like the snar the smart the smarmy, Weasley cheating heel, and he's excellent at it. <clears throat> and hmm. he's in a feud with Alex Riley because it, uh, earlier in twenty ten. Yeah, okay, I got my timeline right. Uh, late in 2010, Miz won the WWE Championship using the money in the bank. Using the money in the bank. And he had Alex Riley there as like a rookie to like do all his dirty work so he didn't have to try. And so, but at WrestleMania 27 in, in 2011, he lost the title to Cena. That's why Cena's champion now. And so, eventually, and eventually, he would have a few rematches, and he would also lose. And Alex Riley kind of accidentally cost Miz a lot of those matches. And so, Miz is like, "You're worthless. You're nothing. You're fired." And so, that's why he's kind of him and Alex Riley are having a few because now Alex Riley's kind of standing out on his own as a. I guess generic good guy and he's fighting his evil boss who kind of treated him badly and fired him, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's an, it's a nice little, it's a nice little feud. And then, uh, the last member of the money in the bank ladder match right now is, um, uh, Alberto Del Rio. I guess to talk about him. This is one of those feuds that his storyline is kind of crossing over with the stuff on oh. SmackDown. Yeah, our, our our rich Mexican aristocrat, Alberto Del Rio. 
Yeah, didn't you say didn't 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 you say in this era he was actually kind of face and like it was only 2013 he did a heel turn? Um, no, that was late 2012. Very small period of time where he's a face. Where he's a face. Right now he's in his original run as a heel. Oh, okay. And basically, his character is basically the same as what you saw in 2013. So I'm not going to really talk about that. But right now, he's kind of in this inner we. He's kind of in this interwoven feud with the with SmackDown wrestlers in that he has been having fights with the Big Show, um, who is on SmackDown, and the Big Show is uh, I I, I get he's kind of his name is kind of on the tin here because basically his character is that he is seven foot tall and 400 pounds. He is a giant. He is very large. And he has the same, he has the same, um, he has the same disease that Andre the giant had. If you need some, if you want some kind of visual reference, but, oh. not, but modern medical technology means that he won't die in the same tragically painful way that Andre did. Well, that's good. <laughs> I guess, but yeah. So he's 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 big he's a big guy and he's a, he's a babyface right now and he's in a feud on SmackDown with Mark Henry who you remember him from his fake retirement in 2013. Yup. So right now we're in peak Mark Henry where he is the he is the he is he is doing his Hall of Pain character where basically he's just like I'm the world's strongest man I can kick anybody's ass and then he does it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty great and he's right now setting his sights on the big show in a very much like you're the biggest guy on this roster huh well i can kick your ass too yeah i i mean this is this is a clash of giants right here so it is, is like, this it is, is this is big this is big two big boys going at it and <laughs> And where Del Rio fits in is he's kind of looking to insert himself into the world title picture. And he's doing it by getting the better of the Big Show because every time, each, most of the time when him and Big Show fight, Mark Henry shows up to interfere and, and, and cost Big Show the match. And, and then, uh, oh. yeah. And so oh, Del Rio is opportun, keeps opportunistically beating the Big Show. At his at uh, to further his own goals, while um, Big Show and Mark Henry are at each other's throats. So that's kind of the major SmackDown storyline that crosses over on this particular episode. And then uh, let's see All right, what, else, uh, what else do I need to talk about? Oh, right, the uh, U.S. title, the United States title, is probably the only major mid card title that we have that we have on this episode. Base the Intercontinental title has pretty been exclusive to SmackDown, and the tag team titles. Um, I don't know where they are to be honest. Um, I have watched a pay per view, a Raw, and a SmackDown, and I haven't seen them. I had to Wikipedia who the champions are. They're two members of CM Punk. They're two members of CM Punk's new Nexus. So they're two of Punk's lackeys. But I had to Google that because I didn't know. Great, great job, guys. WWE's in a real period in this point in time where tag teams are not important. They exist to have guys who we don't really care about, have them have something to do, or to be like temporary filler stories for people who we do care about. 
it's tag team wrestling isn't important. So, so, so the same, the same sort of like writing tool is with the race war, just like with less like major implications for storylines. Yeah. There it's just, it's there to, to do, it's there to fill out the, it's there to fill out episodes. It's not really there to be important in its own right. And so, but the U S title, uh, yeah, it's it's sad because tag team wrestling can be really fun. I feel like we saw that in AEW. <laughs> we saw that last well, that, last time I because I'm remembering when we watched the 2013 episode. Um, the the filler was very obviously filler, uh, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like it was this period in the middle of the show. It was just kind of like eh. So so go, going to AEW then, where where like all the tag team matches were exciting and everything, like everything felt important. Like mm-hmm. going back to this, I'm just gonna be like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, oh, it's sad, but so back to the U.S. title that is kind of at a consistent feud right now mm. between Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, I uh, believe he was in 2013 as a babyface. Now he's kind of as a, he's a heel in 2011, but doing kind of the same character of like. The cocky show-off, who st- Mr. Steel Yo Girl. That's who Vicky Guerrero is managing right now. It is implied that they are banging. It's great. Of course it is. Yeah, but he's... Of he's, course it is. Why, why wouldn't it be? I know, but he is U.S. champion, and he just beat Kofi Kingston for it. And Kofi Kingston, right now he's kind of just doing like a... happy to be there, good guy babyface kind of character <laughs> and but you know his but he, he is interesting in that before this before 2011 when he first came to wwe the reason his name is kofi kingston and the reason his theme is kind of jamaican sounding as you'll hear on this episode is because his character was that he's jamaican except kofi kingston isn't jamaican he's from ghana west africa <laughs> But he's do he did a bad fake Jamaican accent, man. He did the ba- he did a bad fake uh, accent. But the story for why amazing. the story of how that character went away is the best. Where basically Kofi's mom got got like asked in an interview about him by like in some like TMZ kind of thing. I don't remember where exactly. But if Kofi's mom got asked about yeah. him, and then she was like, No, he's not Jamaican. <laughs> And Kofi was like, "Kayfabe, mom, kayfabe." <laughs> so after that, mom, like, what are you doing? So after that, they just kind of messing up my kayfabe. You're messing up my character. So after that, they quietly take, they basically drop the accent and never bring it up again. <laughs> but he still. Can oh speak. come on! See, that could have been a funny thing to like do, like, like say he was faking it the whole time and make a plot out of it for yeah. some dumb reason they lampshade it once they have they have a wrestler be like didn't you used to have a jamaican accent but other than that they and they still do that sometimes they'll like lampshade and make jokes about the time kofi used to have a J- jamaican accent but other than that it's not really important anymore <laughs> but he still keeps his a lot of the same okay. they, they still keep all the like aesthetics of that he's just not jamaican <laughs> Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Fine. Why not? <laughs> it's 
fine. Oh, right. Okay, and I guess we have to talk about the Divas uh, storyline, I guess, because that's a thing that exists on this episode. Let's uh-huh. talk Let's talk about Amazing. it. Amazing. Let's talk about it. Um, the fir- Last week was a Divas championship match. We got a new champion. And by the way, the match lasted three minutes. I counted. God, of course. It's great. But the, the new champion is Kelly Kelly, whose gimmick is she's hot and a good guy. We're in we're in peak divas form right now where like all the characters are hot or hot but also bitchy. Ah, <laughs> uh, duh. Of course, naturally. Why would we do anything else? No, what what else? What other characters could we have for women, David? What 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 yeah, 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 the the wands having having Three-dimensional personality? Not a good Christian WWE server. Absolutely not. So, she's the champion, and she just beat Nikki Bella for the title. And Nikki Bella's character is also hot, but bitchy. But also, there is another (laughs) wrinkle where... There's another wrinkle here where her character... Where her her twin... Her twin sister Bree is also a wrestler, so for cheaty purposes, sometimes they'll switch place. They'll secretly switch places during the match. So, like, they'll do some distract the ref kind of shenanigans, and then like Bree will sub in for Nikki when nobody notices, or vice versa, and then they win the match. And then they win the match because you know they're the because you know the new the other Bella is the fresher woman, so you know easy advantage. Trickery. Yeah. But Kelly Kelly won in. A- why? I mean, I mean, why? 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 Why just have a? Why just have a cat fight? Well, you can have a, a cat fight, but it's the parent trap. <laughs> I, that's a fantastic out of context quote. I think. <laughs> I I I'm already imagining the, the the future merch we can put it on. Yeah. So. Yeah, their 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 gimmick. That's they're just kind of the diva. The divas are doing their diva thing at this point in time, I guess. Good old butterfly belt. Yep, the butterfly belt is there. It's still there. As we're doing great. Of course, it is. That's. Um. I, I, I just want to point out, by the way, I love like the contrast of like of like when we were when we did the first episode. I was all bright eyed and bushy tailed. Like you know, I obviously had some like preconceptions going in of kind of like what the landscape was like. But I was still like, oh man. And now I'm just here, like, yep, yep. This all scans. This is great. This <laughs> now, is fine. now you know all of the like worst ass elements of WWE. <laughs> yep. You know what it's gonna be like. You know what it's gonna <laughs> be like. <laughs> we're having a good time. Yeah. But okay, so two, two, really two more uh, ask elements I think that need to be addressed before we can be done with our with our preview. Uh, number one, who's in charge of, of who's in charge of Raw right now? The I present to you the anonymous Raw general manager angle. What? Yeah, I know. Basically, at this point in time, what they would do is by the announcer's table, 
Oh, excuse me, three points of I've almost forgot another thing, but back to the raw general manager. They would by the announcer's desk, they would have a podium with a laptop on it. And periodically during the show, there would be an obnoxious email, you've got mail-esque ping on the laptop. And one of the announcers would walk over to the podium and read off the email. And that's that was the raw general manager. That was who was in charge of the show at this point. I would tell you the payoff to that angle, but I don't think you really want to hear it. <laughs> it's that bad. Oh, no. Oh, no. I suppose if I had to have anything good to say about it, it's better than what was before we did the anonymous raw general manager angle, which we'll definitely cover this at some point, which was the guest general manager concept. Thanks, Donald Trump in kayfabe. In kayfabe, it's his fault that it raw was like this for like two years. Where, of course, of course it is. Where every week, WWE would have some celebrity host show up like it's SNL and they would run the show and they would do skits with the, with the wrestlers. Sometimes they'd even wrestle. What? And sometimes it would actually be pretty fun. Like Betty White or the Muppets or Bob Barker. You know, okay, actually, this is, like, timeline lines up for, like, the Muppets comeback, so, like, sure. Yeah, sometimes it's not fun. Like, when Reverend Al Sharpton was there. (laughs) What? (laughs) I know. Why? What is the point? Well, okay, I know what the point is, but... It's, no, it was (laughs) bad, because as you'd expect... Most of the time, the celebrity guests didn't really give a crap about any of this. So, you know, and it showed. The times when it was fun was really (laughs) when the guest host was really into the idea. Like, they were real. they they just went all in and it was fun. So, so people like Betty White or the Muppets getting into it. That okay, yeah, that 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 makes sense. Uh, Bob Barker got into it. They did a lot. Sense of, why they did a lot of Wheel of Fortune parodies. That was re- that was funny to do. They did a lot of Wheel of Fortune. Not Wheel of Fortune. Bob Barker had a had a had, either, a, had a surprisingly you know. like good meta sense of humor, and I appreciate it. But and uh, um, like Hugh Jackman was there, and he 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 had he had fun with it. Seth Green did a cameo and he had fun with it. You know, that kind of stuff. But then you then you get people who didn't care, like um, Jeremy Piven and Ken Jeong were there. I believe they were there for, I believe they were there for when that was, that wasn't when they did the, that wasn't when they did the uh, Entourage movie. I don't remember. They were, but they were there. They were there and they mispronounced the name of the pay-per-view they were talking about. They were supposed to talk about. Oh my god. Like that's the kind of that's the kind this is our this is our like range for where it could go. Brilliant. Beautiful. Awesome. I'm, I'm here for it. Good times. Anyway, back to 2011. So we have the anonymous raw general manager. We have a theme for this episode. They're in Vegas, which means it's time for the raw roulette episode. 
where basically they spin a, a roulette wheel, and that's how it matches. That's how match types are decided. <laughs> I'm assuming same sort of deal as the as the choose the match type thing from the from the 2013 episode where no matter what the roulette wheel says it doesn't actually change all that much about the structure of the match i believe in the roulette wheel they actually rigged it so it came out to what they wanted it to oh well that that also works yeah but i'm I'm honestly it's so fun how last week was the special episode where the fans got to choose all the match types and this episode we get to have a spin a wheel (laughs) to decide all the match types we're just lady luck baby it's great um and they they honestly i kind of miss it a little bit i they they eventually stopped doing that every time they went to vegas but it sometimes it's fun oh oh right and then the last thing i want to talk about we have a a new shut up lawler in this episode and jerry lawler is also a commentator Oh, no, no, my worst enemy. Jerry Lawler at this point in his career in, in PG WWE, now he isn't that big a sexist anymore. But now I know now, he's a he's a he's a face commentator now, but he he now he just does really shitty dad jokes all night. But the real annoyance is Michael Cole. He is the play-by-play announcer, and he's a heel. Of course, naturally. And he's a very and understand that's a very weird thing in wrestling. It's generally the the play-by-play announcer is is generally at worst neutral, if not an outright babyface supporter. Yeah. And it's and I kind of and I feel like that makes and mm-hmm. I just kind of injecting my own opinion on it. I think that makes the most sense because like the play-by-play guy more than any other announcer is supposed to be kind of like the main narrator and guide of the stories. And if the idea is that mm-hmm. you want to cheer the good guys, so should the narrator. I mean, if you read a fairy tale, the narrator isn't going on about how Maleficent is actually super cool and is being cheated out of going to out of being invited to the bur to the baby shower. You know? Yeah. So Michael Cole being the play-by-play heel announcer, it just feels wrong. Also, he's just kind of super obnoxious. And that's real. That makes it the real worst part is he's, he's a really good heel character in that he's very obnoxious and I would like him to stop talking so much. (laughs) Oh no. So yeah, I think that is, that is our setup for raw in 2011. You know, this, this isn't a very, um, you know, I'll talk more. We'll talk about quality after we watch it. Yeah, this it's it, you know this it's our it's our exposition segment. We ain't getting into the subjectivity yet. No, but I did. But I am super excited to talk, regardless of the quality of anything else that ends up happening tonight. Because I've as again, I've never seen it. I don't know this how good this episode is. The end thing, I'm very mm-hmm. the one thing I'm very excited to talk about when we get to it. <clears throat> oh boy. Oh man, ah, uh, you always you always give me the fun the fun like ending things to look forward to. It's just ah. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty let's then. Do it. So we're gonna we're gonna we're wrapping this up, and we will see you guys in the back half.
Dun, 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 dun. And we're back. So, um, where to, I feel like Dang. I feel like you have to start with the thing that I picked this episode for. Um, for for context for people who um don't know or you you or the date when I mentioned it earlier sounds familiar to you. Uh, June twenty seventh, two thousand eleven is the date of the Monday Night Raw episode that we watched, and that is the day of the, the CM Punk pipe bomb promo. Which is what ended the show. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess we got to start from the start from the ending here. But like, mm-hmm. damn that 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 episode was one of the ones where I was kind of like, yeah, this this isn't like this isn't crazy like the like the first episode we watched that had a lot of like it was you know a lot of a lot of fighting with a lot of like you know different disparate plot threads. Um, but CM Punk was kind of a through line here, and he turned. He turned like full on like fucking Macbeth or something mm-hmm. in the final in, in in those final minutes. Like I I don't like that that was straight up again, kinda like I talked about the first episode, like straight up Shakespearean dude. Jesus. Mm-hmm. He just went off. He did. And and like this this was I, I think I've I've hinted to David. I don't remember if I talked about it a little bit in the first half, but definitely when I was talking to David about what this episode was going to be like, I t- and what we were probably going to talk about. I was going to talk about how you can talk about kayfabe, and because yeah, this whole promo was a giant what would what would be called a worked shoot, which is uh, for people who don't know the terms, a work is basically when wrestling is fake and a shoot is when wrestling isn't fake. Yep. And a work shoot is when it's fake, but they want you to believe it's legit. And what CM Punk talked about is what makes it a work shoot. Um, for some quick references, um, he talks about the idea of John Cena getting where he is because he's an ass kisser to Vince McMahon specifically, you know, that's uh, in WWE kayfabe Mm -hmm. land. John Cena is a 10 time WWE champion because he's the best. He wins the matches. This, and so this notion that, that he's considered the best just because he glad hands to Vince in real life backstage is not brought up in any real way. Um, he mentions Dwayne. That's the rock. If you couldn't have figured it out and he had never been, obviously, but he had never been acknowledged as Dwayne Johnson on WWE television before. Like that was really the first time that if that you mentioned his first name like that, otherwise he's just the rock, you know? Oh, so that was extremely significant. Um, he talked about, he mentioned Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, which I, I figured if any of those wasn't really going to get, David wasn't going to get the significance of it was that one because they, you remember them from the first episode we watched. I mean, I mean, I remember. Yeah. What was that? Was that, that was, that was Lesnar, right? Yeah. Lesnar who attacked punk and then Heyman was who managed punk at the time. Well, in, in, Oh, in, in 2011, both of those guys were kind of persona non grata in WWE. At this point in time, Brock Lesnar was just an, an ex-wrestler and a current UFC champion. And Paul Heyman was just another guy who used to work for Vince McMahon, but 
pissed Vince McMahon off enough and he and he quit because he rubbed everyone the wrong way. So to mention them both, they wouldn't make both of them wouldn't make a comeback on WWE TV until 2012, about a year after this promo. So this is like to mention their names on air is a big deal. Um he told Oh shit. Oh yeah. And that's and that's when he's like, I do in the fourth wall break. <laughs> he he did do that to the camera. And then he mentioned and then he mentioned um when he talked about where he's gonna go defend the WWE championship, he mentioned New Japan and Ring of Honor. And in WWE land, only WWE gets mentioned. Like it's kind of sacrilege to mention to name by name mention other w current wrestling companies. You know, you can you can yeah, talk- yeah he mentioned he mentioned New Japan. Mm-hmm. Like you can mention you can mention companies that do, that don't exist anymore and WWE owns the rights to, like WCW. But like to talk about what would be considered a current mm. editor is absolutely a no go. Like you don't talk about that, and he mentioned it, and then of sure. course. The real big ending of where he talks about, you know, he talks about um, after he goes on about, you know, how he's not on the advertising. He's not the guy they put on the merchandise and all that. He talks about how he hopes that this company will be better when Vince McMahon is dead, but it won't be because it's going to be run by his idiot's daughter and his stupid son-in-law. <laughs> a whole big can of worms, isn't it? <laughs> To, to have yeah well and and then and then he starts to talk about the 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 be a superstar thing and they cut right. the mic yeah he's about to do this story about how how vince mcmahon charity is bullshit or whatever is that's obviously where that was going but then they cut his mic and that's the end yeah. but yeah that's that was kind of like one of the better best id options the best versions of a work shoot you're ever really going to find and that is why it's such. This is such a the summer of punk, as it's called, is one of the is one of the biggest storylines WWE has in this era. Is because that pl- promo blew up. I can see why. Like, I was actually going to ask you. I wasn't sh- sure how. I wasn't sure if like if that was him like going off script at all. Um, it wasn't basic. I mean, it's his real feelings. But base, basically, the thing is that basically that whole thing was all like pre-scripted. That's why it's a work shoot. <clears throat> yeah, but like those are his real feelings, and he touches on things that you don't touch on in WWE TV. So that's why it feels like it feels like he's going off script. Mm-hmm. But he isn't, and but he isn't really, and that's kind of the I, that's a real magic of the work shoot. Which I, I'm going to talk about what I think the magic of that kind of thing is. But I was going to say is it like especially when you talk about hardcore internet wrestling fans. Oh man, this, this promo was a revelation. This like to see this kind of stuff talked about on WWE TV. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's them. Like that, that's WWE effectively turning to the camera and being like, we get the memes guys. Yeah. And it's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Which, which I mean, I you you I mean, you said you kind of want to talk about this, but like I I think I can, as the noob, even kind of speak to it here, just having experienced it. Like, um, this it, it it's 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 in a similar vein to kind of what I how I felt about the the Mark Henry thing in the first episode was, um, 
you know, like you you gave me the context of like IRL his contact his contract actually was up and like it wasn't entirely certain whether or not he'd leave or not. Mm-hmm. Um and like they obviously play that up for dramatic effect throughout this whole thing to to, to kind of give him like a sort of Damocles to hang over uh, hang over the rest of uh the rest of his contemporaries um and the company itself. Mm-hmm. Um but he played that final monologue well enough that that it did kind of make me question whether or not like the this this was reflective of like in like 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 plans scripting about his uh about his like potential leave or if this was him like being like fuck it i have the mic i have nothing else to lose since i might be leaving soon this is almost my way of like taking the taking the company to task to say either you guys get good or i'm at or i actually am out of here like irl out of kayfabe like buck up here and like I will say that, like, from what we do know about how this played out, it kind of does a little play out a little bit like that, you know. And it, it this is a this is a way for that wrestling kind of bleed reality bleeds into the wrestling, which bleeds into reality, kind of aspect of it all. That, like, yeah, Punk's contract was up, and he wasn't sure. He he really wasn't sure if he was going to resign or not. Obviously, the fact that we saw him in 2013 suggests he does eventually. But well, yeah. But at the time, he didn't know. And he, he kind of he kind of wasn't sure if he wanted to wrestling for WWE or not, but he pitches the storyline this storyline on the way to, as a way to leave as like his like final story in WWE, whether whether and like he pitches this idea of like saying these kind of things and seemingly going off script and kind of attacking WWE in a real way, based on like real thing, mm-hmm. not just fake bullshit thing storyline stuff that they come up with for TV and it just caught like wildfire but like Vince McMahon signed off on it let him kind of do what he wanted whatever he wanted to do with it and then it and then he did it and it caught like and it and it and it uh kind of set the internet ablaze <laughs> so so punk um so so punk pinched pitched this like this was his idea yes this this whole storyline was punk's idea Dang, and not and not to, not to do and not how much how like how much influence? The, the, how much the, influence can wrestlers have over their storylines? Um, it depends. It uh, basically, let's, I'll break it down in kind of the simplest way for for WWE. You know, if you're a newer person, you really don't have any control. I mean, you can obviously make suggestions and they can go with it or not, but you're, but you're otherwise going to be basically like yeah. what they tell you. Someone like punk, who is a longtime veteran, a kind of a bigger star. He has more say over these kind of things. And then the WWE doesn't do that anymore because it leads it. It, it opens up a huge, a huge can of worms uh, writing wise, but historically there have been wrestlers who had creative control in their contracts that basically said, I have veto power over anything I do. If I don't yeah. want to do, Dang. if I don't want to do this storyline, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. So Punk was, but Punk was pretty much he he was he was trusted enough by by the creative writers in WWE that he was allowed to just kind of it's this whole thing and kind of kind of come up with it himself. And and I don't Dang. And, I, 
And I think he took a lot of, I, I don't mean to take away from the storyline because the, the WWE one is, is really good in its own right, but it is a bit of a playoff of he did a very similar storyline in Ring of Honor. He mentioned that he wrestled in Ring of Honor before he came to WWE, but he did a, he did a similar storyline where he signed mm-hmm. the WWE and then won the Ring of Honor championship and did a very similar like, I'm oh. with your belt, assholes. The most famous moment being when in the middle of the ring in Ring of Honor, he signed his WWE contract on the Ring of Honor world title. <laughs> oh my god. And in and in Ring of Honor especially at that time period, you know, it was, it was very much an anti-WWE environment. And so like he got yeah. mega hated for that for being like I'm 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 going to WWE yeah. fuck all of y'all like it was a real like you sold out kind of moment. Oh my. Yeah, Jesus. So yeah, he, I I got to say I'm digging heel punk. Oh no, heel punk is incredible. I I I don't I think that there is a version of babyface punk that works. If I of having looked at his whole career, mm-hmm. but definitely heel punk is something special. I think, dude. I mean, well, because 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 watching him in the Del Rio match in the first episode, he was just kind of there, like he mm-hmm. was big and proud and righteous. You know, just your your standard baby face, fair nothing special about him. Mm-hmm. But like this dude turned into a freaking like. A, a, I I, can't, I hate to keep like I I uh, you know kind of hate to keep beating a dead horse in terms of my like kind of tougher era, but but he turned into like a Shakespeare villain here. Like this was like this was this is a dude who like who who had a who has like this diabolical plan and he mm-hmm. plays it so extremely well. Like there's not a stilted line delivery here. He he just he he got on that mic and spat fire. Absolutely. <clears throat> Like he's he's this he's telling you what his plan is going to be, and he's and he is going to try his best to um you know follow through with it. And and this episode we don't get a lot of um interaction with Cena, but I will say spoilers ahead for the next time we do this storyline, he does get his chance to to take take his shots at John Cena in particular outside of this notion of of him being an ass kisser and overrated. Yeah, he's gonna have a lot more direct confrontation and and dialogue with Cena in the few in the, going forward. But this episode, oh, that's awesome. But this episode was all about you know the the pipe bomb promo as it was as it would become known as, and him dropping okay, uh, um, truth. Uh, 2010's WWE does seem to really like thrive off of its like big mega uh endings at least in the episodes i've seen like mm-hmm. um like they at the very least know how to end episodes like mm-hmm. it's a much this kind of like uh playing these unique sort of climaxes um it's not it's it, it wasn't quite nearly as built to as the as the mark henry talking about like retire mm-hmm. uh potential retirement potential retirement like all episode mm-hmm. but punk showing up at the beginning punk showing up um, at the, you know, at the end during Cena's fight with our truth, um, he, he, ha- he definitely had his moments. Um, mm-hmm. and, and every, every little bit of it was played off extremely well. And he's, he does a very good job of playing this kind of loose cannon energy. Um, 
Where like I even commented to you at one point, like he seems drunk right now. Like when he when he was <laughs> like, uh, oh, I'm breaking the fourth wall. Um, uh, it doesn't feel. Uh, he, he does a very good job at not making it feel scripted. It feels off the wall. Mm. Um, and, and that, that is and that's, and that's uh, very much what, that is a skill. what and that's very much what Punk was going for. You know, his character was very. You know, if you look at kind of his heel character <laughs> through the ages, a lot. It's very much this idea of like. I'm say like, you can't really ever, you can't really ever gear. You don't know what I'm going to say. Like I'm I, like someone who's willing to say mm-hmm. anything, someone who's willing to tell any truth, someone who's willing to offend any person. And so you just don't know what he's going to say next. Wild card bitches. But like, wow. but seriously, like, yeah. like I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, I like even just shouting out that awesome little moment where he mocked Cena's "You can't see me." Like, mm-hmm. like there was reckless abandon in his eyes. Like he was like that. Like that. That seemed like he was legit reveling in the moment. Like mm-hmm. this is a man who clearly loves getting to play the villain, um, mm-hmm. and does a very, very good job at it. Um, mm-hmm. Which I makes perfect sense how he was able to blow up the internet with the with the with the uh the the, the work shoot uh that he, that he gave here because that was it was off the wall and it was really uh it was really something special yeah and um something i want to i meant i wanted to i have wanted to mention about like the idea of the work shoot and i think because there is a way to make it go very badly um if you want an example of that um i would look to uh wcw in the year 2000 uh vince russo bro i've mentioned him a few times so many i've talked about vince russo more than i thought i would on this podcast already but yeah <laughs> i did mention on the four, on the episode 4 that uh when we talked about the 90s episode he vince russo did have this kind of attitude about wrestling fans this idea that like they're all on the internet and they all kind of know the backstage stuff and they want to, and they want to see that incorporated more in the wrestling show. And I don't necessarily agree, but you know, I do think in 97, there was a lot more, you know, when he talks about like bringing reality into wrestling, it was a lot more subtle and interesting. Like the way that he, um, the way that Vince McMahon started having a more prominent role on TV 2000 WCW when he was head writer there was a lot less so like you would you would have you would have these moments where they they literally talk about the script like they they had they had a match where a guy refused to take the finishing move and just walks off and the announcers are like what that's not in the script what what do we do that's not in my like what's oh and it's like uh and it's it's kind of okay yeah like like not even just like winking and nudging at the idea that it's fake just straight up tell saying it is and that there is a yeah story. that feels kind of forced yes and i think a, a big reason why i think stuff like cm punk's promo works in this episode and along with another storyline that works really well that i'll is that it can exist. It can exist if you don't, and it can work if you don't know anything about what is going on backstage. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I really wanted to show this to you because like, cause you, cause you're like, you've watched a little bit of wrestling. And so like you have some, some of this stuff you can, you can kind of grasp why it's so like controversial and, and big for him to say it, but you, but you're not as in tune with like all of the backstage happenings and the behind the scenes stuff in wrestling. And I, at least yeah. for, for me, I've always kind of looked at the, at that po- promo is like, it can still kind of work if you don't really know what's going on and it can, and it makes sense in a storyline sense. Like nothing he says, but obviously he does the ha ha I'm breaking the fourth wall gag, but you know, outside of that, yeah. nothing he says doesn't make sense in some, in a fix in the fictional story world of WWE. Well, like, like I even I, I can even see like the the, the fourth wall thing like mm-hmm. making sense outside of con- because like as long as you know like what the fourth wall is you can at least acknowledge like in any TV show you're not really supposed to like look directly at the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like it's it's not like he said oh I'm oh shit I'm breaking kayfabe mm-hmm. he, like yeah. fourth wall I feel like is a different connotation. Yeah, so like he's he's very clearly leaning a little leaning on what our conception of kayfabe is, but he's not really breaking it. Not really. Every everything he says mm-hmm. can be justified in kayfabe, and I think for a work shoot to work, it has to be that way. Like it has, yeah. it has to make sense in storyline. You can't just do shit like, oh, he's going off the script. <laughs> yeah, no, or like even, or or like if you did, mm-hmm. you would have to make it so that like. A, it's so over the top that it's just like it just seems like like this person it's, absolutely it's, it's losing weird their shit. And B, you still or like or like just a complete mm-hmm. like mental breakdown of a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then even then, I feel like you would still need to in order for it to like really work long term. You need to find a way. You need to like basically give yourself an out to salvage somebody taking like taking just this extreme like off script feeling thing mm-hmm. uh you know like 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 even if even if it's like really uh really kind of off the wall uh you need to be able to salvage it in some way yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like punk's promo it feels real in the sense that it like it doesn't feel the same way as like a regular fictional wrestling thing is even though it is another fictional wrestling thing and like another example i have is that you know daniel bryan in his storyline to become a wwe champion and in 2013 he has a storyline about this and he's he's, he he butts heads with the authority which is that idiot step that idiot daughter and and doofus son-in-law mentioned by punk stephanie mcmahon and triple (laughs) a they are kind of presented they are presented as the on-screen authority figures on the show and they're constantly screwing daniel bryan out of out of the title on the justification of like you know you're is you're a good you're a good wrestler, Daniel. You know you're you're a B plus player, but you know you, you don't have the look of a champion. You don't you're not marketable. You don't have mm-hmm. you don't have the personality. Yeah. And obviously that all makes sense in storyline as bullshit justifications because what they really want is a champion who is a lapdog to them that Daniel Bryan isn't. Mm-hmm. 
But it works so well at the time because this idea that Daniel Bryan is too short, he's not, he is not conventionally attractive enough, he's not muscular enough, he doesn't have the right personality, is things that wrestling fans thought the, the McMahons actually think about Daniel Bryan, IRL. It's leading yeah. on actual fan perceptions of what Daniel Bryan is to the the back to you know the people in charge, and at, but adding it into the storyline. And I, that's another, it's not quite a work shoot. It's more of like a leaning on kayfabe kind of thing. But I think that that's why it works so well is because it fits in storyline as well as taught re, kind of touching on real stuff. Yeah, it, it, it seems almost as if like it, it, this, this stuff is um, working because it, it, it I, I'm trying to find the right way because it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like this this kind of twisted backwards thing but like, like it almost feels as though like the fact that they're they're basically able to take the fact that the, that the fans know like there's like you know backstage stuff that's scripted and like you know that mm-hmm. there's like you know backstage stuff that doesn't match what's going on like you know in 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 ring in kayfabe mm-hmm. um they're taking that and basically like using it manipulating it head to then still be able to kind of confuse the fans and blur the lines a little bit on what's real and what's not, which, which is an, a pretty impressive thing to do. Like that's some, like that's some like 4d chess right there when it comes to your writing. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's something I think is very, is, is relatively unique to wrestling because I, th- I think it's relatively unique to wrestling because like, because it takes place in our reality in a sense. Like it's not so obviously not real in the way that TV and movies are very obviously not real. Like it has more of a sense of reality to it. And it feels more like we, the audience is part of this, of part of it all that allows you to kind of weave these narratives that is blending what is real and what isn't real and kind of keeping you on your toes about, about where that line is. Mm -hmm. Even if in the end it is all not, even if the end, none of it's real. Yeah. But you still feel like someone is real. And it tricks you just Mm -hmm. enough. Um, Yeah. And I think I think I think I think it tricks you in a different way than the than the Mark Henry thing, where it kind of like mm-hmm. suckered you in with like this fake sense of sentimentality. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's that um, it's that they and and part of it part of it again is thanks to thanks to um, uh, punks I think, um, but they're able to play it up just enough to the point where it this guy legitimately does feel like a bit of a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the moment where they cut his mic, like, like if you think about it for more than five seconds, like of course that's like you know such a scripted thing to do. Like why would like, they? Why would they not have like cut you know his, right before he's able to? Was real? Why would they not cut it before? <sighs> yeah, why would they like like why is Vince McMahon just sitting there like, hmm? I will allow it up up until like a certain point, um, but that's not a thing that tends to happen. The, the, you know, the wrestlers don't really tend to get their mics cut, at least not from what I've seen so far. No, they don't. Um, your, so mic, your mic cut like, off is a very rare occurrence in, as a wrestling trope. Extremely. Yeah. So, so like, 
if you think about it for more than five seconds, like, of course it's fake as hell, but it's enough of a shock in the moment that it kind of jolts you for a second. You're like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, 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 okay. Like, mm-hmm. th- I guess this is, like, like what's going to happen now? Like, this is a loose cannon who just got his mic cut. Like, yeah. what's going to happen? Shit. Right. And it kind of leaves on this cliffhanger almost, because he doesn't really mm-hmm. do anything in the moment, but he's, like, he's almost, like, I'll be backing, like, you know. Yeah. Yelling out without it's, his mic. Yeah, he's like, "I'll be back," and he's uh, also kind of like, "I'm you're proving my point." Yeah, I'm, um, which which again is this great way to kind of mess with audience expectations a little bit. Like, you're, like you're proving my point. I keep saying that I'm being held back by the people really in charge of this company, and what do you know? They cut off my mic before I really disparage Vince yeah. Man's character. <laughs> Yeah, which which I mean, I will say like they did leave it off at a good point of like it mm-hmm. seemed like you know if he's gonna target the anti bullying campaign, um, mm-hmm. like that's something that could be really deep cutting, and that's when they cut it, and you're like, well, what was he gonna say? Yeah, it kind of it kind of does kind of mm-hmm. leave you like, oh, what's you going know? On? It's like it's one thing to be like, yeah, Vince McMahon's an idiot, boss, blah blah blah, but then he's about to say something about how you know Vin- WWE's <laughs> charity efforts are bullshit, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> Whoa, there. We were we were allowing you to go on for a while, but buddy. Oh, oh we gotta yeah, cut, no. we gotta stop um, this right now. So so Yeah. So so that that was a fantastic uh that was a fantastic end of this match. Uh certainly not what I was expecting with you kind of teasing like it's the it, you know, it's the finale you really wanted me to see. Like I I I certainly wasn't expecting it to be like this this monologue that CM Punk gave, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was effective, and dude, uh, dude played it extremely well. And I didn't give enough credit back in the first episode to, I guess, how, um, how, uh, uh, a, I think how good a wrestler he is, like in ring, but b, how good a mm-hmm. performer he is, because I think he's, I think he's just wasn't given good material i mean yeah i don't i don't don't blame you is there's there's a lot of good there's a lot of good stuff on that first episode we watched but punk stuff wasn't really it like this like he 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 didn't really have any something great to sink his teeth into with that in that episode there yeah um which i i will say like um the I, I don't know if this is more just me getting more of an appreciation for the for the for the craft or mm-hmm. or if there there's an actual discernible difference, but it did seem like a lot of the in-ring work too in this um was a bit more um a bit more impressive to me. I don't like mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know if that's just because like last time, like um last time we watched WWE, it was my first ever time seeing any wrestling thing ever, so I wasn't really like yeah. in tune with how this stuff tended to run. But like, but a, a lot of those matches did play off mm-hmm. uh, in pretty impressive ways. Like, I noticed a lot of kind of cool moves, uh, whether they be coming out of CM Punk, uh, mm-hmm. the 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 Del Rio match. It wasn't so much Del Rio himself um, in that match. It was more like you know Mark Henry actually just showing off his brute strength like a freaking monster. Um, whether it be the uh, mm-hmm. the the Sincara match, uh, mm-hmm. just the two high flyers going at it. Um, the, the in-ring work here was, was legitimately really impressive to a point that I, that I was kind of surprised for like, you know, early 2010s WWE to show up. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that as well. I was, I I was kind of pleasantly surprised by this episode as a whole. Like obviously the punk thing overshadows pretty much anything else that happened here, but like, 
going in, I did have I had pretty low expectations because 2011 isn't necessarily considered a very good period in WWE's history. And you know, when I was researching this kind of stuff online, people were kind of like, "This episode isn't that great outside of the end." But you know, I I enjoy, but I found that I enjoy. I found I thought the episode was a lot more enjoyable overall than I really expected it to be. And maybe and maybe that is an expectations thing. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't feel momentous. It kind of, for a lot of it, it felt like the Madison Square Garden episode Mm -hmm. where it's like, not a whole lot feels like it's happening. Like, like, obviously there's a lot of like plot stuff that's kind of going on. Right. um, But it doesn't get played up nearly Mm -hmm. to the extent. And I think that's the, I think it's because of the gimmick of the episode. Like, like. Like, because they decided to make this episode all about, you know, we're in Vegas, the Raw Roulette, everything is, you know, you never know what kind of match you're going to have. It's like... It didn't feel like a lot of plot. But, but, for like, they didn't even, like, they, they played... They played the Vegas thing up a lot less, too, than I would have anticipated. Like, aside from the Roulette, like, they didn't ever, like, lean in. Like, you didn't ever see anyone, like, like in a tux, like, making jokes about going in high rolling or anything. Like, like you know, it, it, it seems like they... they for as much as they had the the you know the wheel of fortune, um, it wasn't like um, they didn't lean into the Vegas theming as much as I thought they would. But that being said, like it was still like it, it was still kind of entertaining. Like like Booker T made for a fantastic you know uh, entertaining host. Um, uh, the Shawn Michael stuff was was vaguely entertaining, just in the matter of like what the fuck is Shawn Michael doing here? <laughs> no, he's, he's here. To, he's, here uh, to hawk, he's here to hawk his shit and do nothing else. <laughs> Yeah, um, there was, <laughs> and 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 kick people in the face. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, uh, the the it wasn't like it. It didn't feel heavily plotted like the 2013 episode did. Mm-hmm. But all of the little like inserts were fun diversions. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know, it's, uh, there was there was. Um, there was the opening with you know the the Michael Punk uh, interaction promo cut. There was, there was, there was Vicky um, just being Vicky. No, Vicky was a, was hilarious. Uh, I mean, where she's she forces herself into the to, to spin the wheel, and then she like has to get dragged off when they're like, "All right, you can't you can't be at this match. You got it. You got to stay in the back." Excuse me. Excuse, Excuse me. Now she's no. There's a real. There's a there, that that takes me back, doesn't it? Oh man, no. I honestly, I get a huge kick out of Vicky. Just like, mm-hmm. just seeing that she's like starting here is this kind of like integer character and then later on she goes on to be beleaguered middle management who just like cannot catch a break i i i find it kind of amusing that they just that they use they use vicky as an avatar of just every like karen you've you've ever disliked or ever had a bad interaction with um and it's 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 really entertaining. Um, she's this, she's she's this great kind of like comedic side character who just gets to gets to show up and 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 be mid show diversion every now and then. And it's it's great. I'm here for it. The shtick hasn't gotten old for me yet. Absolutely. Um, 
let's get going, going through the masses of this episode is like uh i guess um i hate to just go in order because that sounds that's that's just kind of very boring to do um i guess the next biggest thing that i mean I guess the next biggest stuff for this episode outside of all the punk stuff is, is I guess you do the, the Mark Henry big show match segment because that was another, that was the other thing yeah, I mean, kept calling back to. I mean, there wasn't the, the thing is there doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's, there's much to talk about there. Like, mm-hmm. like sure. We can kind of get into like, uh, I mean, I because some because it's stuff we've touched on before, like like you know, just Del Rio being a rich prick, except this time he has a car, and this time it's not. Yeah, uh, he doesn't hate America. Uh, but like, I mean, I mean, the real the real fun the real fun part was, I mean, like 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 the 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 felling the giant sort of formula is you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's just kind of it it is what it is. Um, but then Mark Henry coming in and just legitimately like tearing off parts he of the rip, cage he rips was, the, he rips it's just the an door, impressive he, like yeah no he rips the door off the cage so he can get in the ring yeah. and then he like slams big show through the cage wall <laughs> so that using the using the door that he tore off yeah he makes he he makes he makes a cage sandwich mm-hmm. um uh out of out of big show um and it's, it's i mean that's the big thing to talk about there is just that man mark henry is fucking scary like this is a man who i do not want to get on the bad side of because he would like tear me apart absolutely and it almost feels it's, it's it's so weird honestly to think about like his career trajectory because like he's always been, he's seemingly always been capable of this but he but until 2011 he really didn't put it all put it all together and like becomes this person yeah. it's kind of like leans into this like i am st- this world's strongest man i can it doesn't matter who you are i can destroy you and 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 do whatever i want to you so i'm gonna do that yeah and and a lot of it is just chalked up to his phenomenal physicality both mm-hmm. obviously as being legitimately this strong we were kind of talking like the 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 cage was smaller than mo you see for most cage matches, and we kind of no, realized, it, oh, it that's so very it, it's, it's set up like that. So yeah, it's and it's set up like that so Mark Henry can tear it apart. But right. that being said, it didn't look super rigged up. Like obviously, kind of how he was able to snap the door off makes it look a little rigged, and probably uh, the way he the, the way the the one like cage wall just kind of like flew off. No, I, I, that was probably breaked no, up a little it, bit. Absolutely, like the like the like for that one wall to come apart like that is it, it's definitely a rig job. But that being said, mm-hmm. people still hit the walls during this. During like like yeah, Del Rio and Big Show still hit the walls during this uh during this match. And I don't know if it was like they just had like one wall that was that was yeah they, up that yeah, they, like, yeah they, they they set that up so they're like touch. yeah they're like this wall is fa- is is rigged to fall apart so don't do that so don't hit that one <laughs> but but you you don't kind of realize that mm-hmm. like you it's it's you're not like paying attention to oh are they hitting every single panel on the wall no you just see mark henry tear off the door and use it to yeet uh yeet big show through the cage um mm-hmm. and well obviously it is rigged up there's still clearly this uh this level of strength that it would take to 
get those regular um and it was and it just was terrifyingly realistic feeling uh and mark henry is very good at just again kind of like cm punk just playing this very unhinged um uh i don't even know like how to describe it but just this this um complete like hulking psychopath um who just does not care what's in his way he'll just barrel through it Mm -hmm. um and and this it, it again it's nothing it's it's not like the level of visual metaphor that we had going on in AEW last week mm-hmm. um but the visuals are there and they're 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 powerful ones i i think or at least at least at least somewhat because mm-hmm. again you don't typically see uh dude bro ripping off the door of a of a cage mm-hmm. in a cage match like that just doesn't tend to happen and 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 you know, even if if Big Show in his long career, obviously he's you've seen him, you know, be physically compromised before. It's still very much a visual shock to see a dude as large as the Big Show is be kind of just so easily manhandled by another by another person. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I I I I honestly think they kind of overplayed their hand a little bit by carrying him out on a stretcher. Like that mm-hmm. felt a little like hokey because because you know like you know they're called back you know like they fine. are and you know <laughs> he's fine. Uh, like he, like like that feels like overplaying the hand a little bit. Like yeah, mm-hmm. we get it. Um, but everything up to that point, um, it's. It, it is kind of this cool thing to see just like Mark Henry completely hulk out and and not and, and barrel through Big Show like he's nothing, despite the fact that again, he is as giant as Andre the Giant was. Mm-hmm. This is doing knocking him down is no easy feat, even for the strongest man in the world. Um, and yet Mark Henry barrels through him like it's nothing. And and it, it is a it is a cool moment to see. I think this is I think this is an episode that very much um was at its strongest when it was giving us the sorts of imagery that we don't normally see mm-hmm. um its strongest moments were when when shit happens that just normally does not happen and mm-hmm. i think that was that was a pretty cool uh thing for for when yeah. it did occur in this episode yeah and you know i'm tr- i'm trying to i was trying to think through like <laughs> what makes this different than the time we watched the episode in 1997 because i think you could make a lot of vis- you could make a lot of interesting comparisons to that episode and this one in this very sense of like not it doesn't feel like a lot of things happen except for like one or two big things and mm-hmm. i feel and i feel like a big difference is 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 it like is uh, that's part of it is what you mentioned is that there's a lot of interesting like visual th- happenings in this episode that kind of make it more interesting to watch even if it even if objectively there's not a lot of plot go advancing here than what we saw in 97 which did not have nearly i don't think as mm. interesting you know imagery and moments outside no. of the one big one no like yeah it 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 it, it was it the the 90s one felt very very by the book Mm-hmm. just just a shortened version of the book whereas right. this it had its surprise moments uh that helped it mm-hmm. stick out uh and again i think part of it too is like again surprisingly good show of athleticism from pretty much everybody involved like i already mentioned again like this the the sinkara um the sinkara match high flyer against high flyer that was um that was phenomenal to see mm-hmm. um 
and as you kind of said, um, Sankara didn't really have any botch jobs in this uh, in this fight, right. despite right. the fact that he's in a very uh, visually restrictive mask in fucking yellow lighting. Uh, yeah, damn like, yellow I, lighting. He yeah, actually pulled like, this one off. Yeah, I, we didn't talk about it in the first half because I didn't really mention Sin Cara, but like, yeah, he's he's a very athletic wrestler, but he has this very bad reputation about for like making mistakes in the ring and kind of slipping up and messing up moves. And a big part of that is because his mask isn't very well, isn't very good to see out of. And he has to, at this point in time, his whole shtick is that he wrestles in this yellow lighting, in this dramatic mood lighting lighting that makes it even harder to see <laughs> this is just again it baffles me just just like that's how to waste your performer 101 is just mm -hmm. like how can you be that inept in setting up and setting up how he's supposed to do things i don't mm -hmm. i do not get it Aside mm -hmm. from the fact that I guess he was a bit of a dick about not wanting to learn English. Like, yeah, that's he, the only reason I can justify it in my mind, like, why they didn't seem to, like, get, give a shit about him, really. Yeah, they, there was a, they, yeah, there, to, to get into some of the backstage drama with him, is there was, is he was, is, you know, is he can't, he could not speak any English, and he also wasn't very interested in learning of, of to speak English. And there was also this sense of a, I didn't really talk about it when we watched it, but there was also this sense of kind of like a drama queen aspect of him because, you know, WWE does have a developmental system at this point in time, even if it wasn't televised, but, but he was super insistent about not like, I'm not going, I'm not doing no developmental stuff. Like I'm like, almost like I'm too good for that attitude. Even if it's just simple, and and I would argue there's at least some value in a develop. Even if you're like a seasoned veteran of wrestling, I think it could be valuable to at least take a little bit of time to acclimate yourself to like what WWE wants from you, because you know, yeah, like get a get a better sense of like okay in WWE this is kind of how it all works, and at the very least, even if you don't really think that that's what you should do what you need it at least makes you look better and more of a team player to everybody else if you agree to it yeah and and so it's, like, it's and so he yeah. kind of, he kind of managed to like burn he he, he kind of burned a, burned a little bit of the bridges a little bit and that definitely didn't help <laughs> which yeah so so i get it but but for this episode his in-ring work was phenomenal. Um, it was. And it was it cool was. to see him, yeah. him uh, pulling off the moves that he did. Mm -hmm. um, both of them, actually. Like, like that was just yeah. a, that was just a well-fought match. Yeah, Evan Bourne is an incredible. Not a, not a whole lot to commentate on, but right. No, Evan Bourne is is yeah, yeah. very. I, I mean, and he'll find he'll kind of find his own niche as as a wrestling character, at least to me. And later on, when he leaves WWE and kind of more leans into the fact that the dude is a heavy so is a heavy stoner, and so he starts leaning a little bit more into the fact that he's a drug addict and starts talking about he's like open your third eye kind of shit. And I think that's kind of where he peaks as a character God. in wrestling, but. Even now, even when he's just kind of this smiley do-gooder kind of guy, you can still see he's very talented, very athletic, and fun to watch. Yeah, uh, which which I think I I I I think um, what can sort of make these more fillery feeling matches to me is if there are like fun displays of athleticism in them, and mm -hmm. something like this, it's obviously not up to the same level as something like um, the 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 AEW match um, where we just um 
two just very like like the the tag team match where we had two strong boys versus two like basically telepathic high flyer luchadors but, and, and, but it and, was and, still like two two men who were clearly very competent and i'd argue you can't even because not even outside of the fact that you know one was significantly longer than the other you know this doesn't have any real stakes to it in the same way that the tag team title match did but it was still very enjoyable I, as a filler match yeah um it uh it it did what it was supposed to do uh, or i think what sort of the more straight up matches in wwe or, or other or any pro wrestling should do is just show off two athletically gifted people um performing this very impressive um kind of i don't want to keep calling it a dance because it just feels mm -hmm. like it, tr it feels tried after a while but it's mm -hmm. very complex routine of kind mm -hmm. of interwoven athletic performances um mm -hmm. and and this this pulled that off very well uh, it was a similar thing with the uh with the with the tornado tag team match we had here oh yeah um, that was, that i mean was, that throw was... ray mysterio into the bat and even outside of mysterio i had a lot more fun with that match than i thought i would considering i'm not the biggest fan of jack swagger or alex riley so I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, to... really, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I mean, he, I just kind of find both of them kind of boring as 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 wrestlers, and so I wasn't really expecting to enjoy that match very much when I saw it. But I did have a lot. I did have a lot of fun with it. I think everybody played off each other well. For 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 our audience's context, Austin spent a majority of that match just making digs at Alex Riley I for did. being boring and not ever winning a championship. I, I did. I did. He was going did. off on the poor I guy. Did. I almost felt bad for him. I did kind of talk a lot of shit about Alex Riley. I would apologize to him, but it's not Austin. Like Austin, Austin, Austin went into that match like I'm about to end this man's whole career. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it. it <laughs> I mean, but no, it was it was a it was it was really cool to watch. Like everybody did pretty good work there. Uh, Riley put off pulled off some surprisingly good moves. The Miz pulled off some surprisingly good moves. Um, mm -hmm. Swagger was just you know he was just being a strong boy. It wasn't again not as not as uh, not as all out as the tag team match we saw last week, but still mm -hmm. um, for what it was. Um, it was it it felt like a nice back and forth the whole time again mysterio has this very kind of unique uh aesthetic to to his to his in-ring form um mm. that leads to some pretty cool things especially like he he's he's he uses his his stature to an advantage you know significantly shorter than most of his contemporaries um mm -hmm. but he uses that very much to his advantage to kind of like swing around people uh pull off some really cool flips off the rope um you know kind of wriggle his way out of out of some tougher situations that that bigger dudes just can't um and he's clearly very adept at kind of throwing his own weight around cool thing to watch in general um and then mix it in with just the three other guys all kind of wailing on each other um it, it just made for kind of a fun bit of viewing uh even if even if like these aren't none of these are characters who at the moment are particularly compelling in their own rights no, and they don't have any real plot to speak of because it's kind of this is kind of the worst part about money in the bank season is because it's hard to tell a compelling story with like eight dudes who yeah like it's hard it's hard to have this inter have it so interwoven that it all works so you get a lot like a lot of these mm -hmm. guys are just kind of fighting each other is kind of in preparation for the fact that they're all gonna fight each other but this time in a ladder match. 
Yeah, but but uh, at least it, at least with a match like this where they pull it off as well as they do, it mm-hmm. gives you something to look forward to with the Atlanta match where you can say, okay, these guys, these are guys who if you put them together in a ring, they will play off each other well, and you'll get a bit a decent bit of entertainment, and then you know, make it a money in the bank match, and the, the the MacGuffin will kind of add that last little bit of energizing stakes to make sure that we're having a good time with this. Absolutely, and that's that's kind of the goal of those matches is to kind of be like an, a teaser for like what's going to happen in I guess by this time about three weeks at Money in the Bank. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so it's just, just fun. Yeah. Speaking of the opposite of fun, uh, I guess uh, the divas title, <laughs> the divas match. Oh, uh, the opposite of fun. Uh, I feel like we have to <laughs> mention it. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm kidding. It's just like, yeah. God damn it. Uh, well, I'll put it like this: the <laughs> amount, of, the, the, the time we spent hand wringing over the fact that we have to talk about that match is longer than the match. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, and also I should put it in perspective. This isn't as bad as women were treated in the eighties or nineties of this damn company. This isn't as bad. This isn't as bad. This isn't as bad. Okay, okay, it's in perspective. We're okay. All right. So the match was shit because it was only a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> with with two two wrestlers whose entire personalities are, as you put it, hot. Or hot and bitchy. Well, I guess three wrestlers, but but somehow only two of them were wrestling this time. But yeah, there were only two wrestlers. It was Kelly Kelly, which is as I as I made I cracked a few jokes with David about this. Is that like Kelly Kelly is is somehow faker than her sounding than her real name, which already sounds fake, which is Barbie Blank. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, at least I kept the alliteration. Yeah, um, and. I hate to be too mean to Kelly Kelly in the sense that number one, she's a nice person in real life. And two, it's not entirely her fault. That this is like, this is the way this is right now. She is as much a product. No, she is, she I is mean, as much a product of her environment in terms of both like what opportunities women were given and what kind of training women were given in WWE at the time. But mm-hmm. That doesn't mean she's still she's good. <laughs> oh God! It's but, it's oh. yeah. And she fought. I I think it was Nikki Bella. I'm pretty sure that was the belt. That was the which that was the correct one. But yeah, literally a minute. It was a submission match. Which if you if is it what it sounds? You have to use a submission move and make your opponent tap out. Um, it started, which, and- which I made the comment to Austin. I, I, I will, I will give them this. I will give them this. They had the self-restraint because it was the Vegas wheel and it was, you spun for every single match at the very least. They had the self-restraint to not make it something like a pillow fight match or a song and dance match. But I still which, want to know what the hell a song and dance match. Which like. they had on the wheel. So it could have happened, but it could have, but so the match is uh, the uh, the match in its entirety. Nikki Bella puts Kelly Kelly in an armbar. Kelly Kelly fights out of it. Kelly Kelly puts uh, Nikki in a Boston crab, but Nikki taps out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. What? What would you clock it at? Uh, a minute twenty-one. 
And a like, minute. Wait, just a straight up. I thought it was like a a minute and a half, basically. A minute and a half, ninety seconds, my friends, of of lady wrestling in this whole thing. And like, I feel like it's hard to under. It's it might not be easy to understand if you don't really watch wrestling. And so, like, for example, a ninety minute fight in MMA, not a big deal. But like, in wrestling. You can have short matches that are really good, but you still need some degree of, but wrestling is kind of a form of storytelling and you still kind of need time to tell a story (laughs) of something. (laughs) There was no no story and there was no, no interesting work happening to justify the lack of a story. Yep. Pretty much. And like, Yeah. Like there is such a thing as too short of a match to be good. And 90 seconds is definitely yeah. too short. <laughs> and, it's, it's at the very least it straddles that line. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm sure if you had a match that was just two people just wailing on each other for 90 seconds and it was just total insanity short, but that this isn't what it was again. No. It's, it's just Vince McMahon making hot ladies cat fight because I don't know. I guess that's what the demographic likes to see for some reason. Yeah. Did anybody like this? Did any anybody ever like this? Um people dug it in the 90s and that's that's really where the that's really where the birth of of the of the very of this kind of thing comes from. You want to plot that out. Because I hate cuz cuz I kind cuz cuz in okay, WWE women's wrestling in WWE. Let's plot this out a little bit. In the eighties, you brought in the few. Yeah, you brought you had a few women's wrestlers. They generally weren't good, except for some exceptions. But they were never featured very much. In the early to mid nineties, you have actual good women's wrestling. Um, they based WWE just imported a bunch of women from Japan and and threw them on TV and fuck they were good. <laughs> what who could have fucking guessed? Um, imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. Anyway, but then WWE stopped caring, and so that went kaput. And then in the '90s, you know, to fit the era and fit the aesthetic, it was a lot of like hiring hot women to catfight each other. And then it never really stopped being that for a decade <laughs> and, uh, and a decade and some change. And you, you would have women who could all, who kind of break through the mold a little bit and actually be good, but it was not indicative of the, yeah. but that is not that, that isn't the indicative of the division as a whole. Yeah, no, it's just, I, I don't know why they were still dragging this on. Like, just from what you say, nobody ever seemed to enjoy it by the time it reached this part of the era. So why? Like, I know, I know. Like, 2014 is when we had our renaissance of of good lady wrestling in WWE, which is awesome. But like, Jesus Christ, how did it take that long? Like, nobody. Because, this seems to be nobody's cup of tea. Because I think I think it's it's because you know I think it's because it was kind of not seen as important anyway. So like, who cares if nobody likes it, but it, 
there were people backstage who liked it the way it is. And not just Vince. Um, um, that's, this isn't completely on him. This is um, John Laurinaitis, who was, who was kind of name dropped by CM Punk in the promo tonight. He was a power, he was a mm. power, he was a big executive in the company as the head of talent relations, which is what it sounds like. Um, and it was his kind of idea to like hire fitness models to train them to wrestle. <laughs> and so he was a big, he was a big reason for why wrestling women's wrestling was like that at the, at this time period. So it's, it's, okay. so, so, you know, I think it's a lot of complicated things. Um, and I guess I can just be thankful that in other, that, you know, if you look in other places, things were better by this point, uh, TNA had their knockouts division, which is what they called their women's division was by this point, kind of renowned, uh. renowned as being good as being where you find good women's wrestling in America and the indie scene and the indie scene for women was pretty strong. And obviously if you go to Japan, you know, women's wrestling has always been taken very seriously in Japan and Japanese wrestling culture. So that it's never been shit over there. Mm-hmm. But but you and now mean, and now we have it pretty reliably good across the board. But Jesus, yeah. But at this point in time, it is a ah, oh, is it is not fun to get through. No, it's. I mean, uh, hey, at least it's short. At least <laughs> I suppose so. At least it is short because it could be worse. I could we, we could have done that match for like ten minutes. For for as for as much of a sin uh, it, as for as much as a, a sin uh, uh, that it's short, um, it's also such a blessing because if that shit dragged on, this would be a much more painful thing to talk about than it is. Yeah, as it is, it's just kind of like uh, it's, it's just kind of how how it rolls, baby. How it goes, okay. Um, By the way, I still can, I still contend that I still contend that 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 uh that not like. Elizabeth, uh, throwing back to the 80s for a second, not letting Elizabeth uh, ever get into the ring was a huge mistake, and 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 that and 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 that if we had that timeline, women's wrestling never ever be bad ever. Just saying. <laughs> I, I, I feel. I'm trying to think if they if they had her wrestle in WCW. That feels like something they would have done, but I can't. I'm not. I'm blanking. I I don't know. It's 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 just one of those things of like of like you are you're like uh you're the wife for for a decent time of of Randy Savage. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not that's not what we're talking about. It's just like I I really like fantasizing about that world where like Elizabeth just says fuck all this and like and, and becomes so, a comes and becomes a super successful and wrestler and the the best wrestler of all time. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be amazing. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that's a thing. Uh, they, 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 they at, at the very least, it seems like from what you've told me backstage, the lady wrestlers were actually all pretty nice people. Yeah, um, and they, um, they were, and and like some of them at this point in time, they were advocating for more. So it wasn't just a case of a lack of talent, though that is a problem in certain areas. But it was also a case where, like, yeah. women at this time were advocating for more. The, those of them who knew they were better than what time they were allowed to show off on TV were told, were like, hey, man, hey, like, mm-hmm. let give me more time on TV. We can make this work. And we're just told, nope, nope, we're good. 
Two minutes is a perfectly yeah. two minutes out of a two a two hour broadcast is a perfectly acceptable amount of time for women to be on our t- on TV. <laughs> yeah, on our on our WWE TV. That's good. Yeah. Sure. So, um, I guess if we're just gonna keep talking about things that were what annoying, that were annoying. Um, you got to see our AOL <laughs> uh, messenger general manager <laughs> i will say it wasn't nearly like as painful as i thought it would be it's just kind of there um i'm just like, glad i'm just glad he only, yeah, up. He only did it once know. i'm glad they only did it one time in the episode so it's it's not an uncommon thing that that he'll he'll drop more than one email yeah. during a show yeah, he'll do it. He, he he'll, do, he'll do it more than once. So, you know, I'm glad that <laughs> we got the one time and it's like, okay, goodbye. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, okay. And Colin, 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 Yeah, Cole, I was, Cole, I was pleasantly surprised wasn't actually that annoying. I, I expect, um, I've so seen our... a lot worse from him and so I was expecting a lot worse. <laughs> Yeah, I well, I'm sure, um, but I didn't like. It, it wasn't like the '90s where I just literally just felt compelled to tell Lawler to shut the fuck up the entire time. This time I was like, eh, okay. This guy, like this guy, I don't quite get him because he's the like he's a heel commentator, but he's like again, like I was talking about, he's like concerned for Riley's morality, and I don't know. I it's it. His his mo is just kind of confusing to me at this point, but I wasn't ever actively annoyed with him. Yeah, the only actively annoyed thing I ever got was seeing that Lawler still has his goddamn crown because, <laughs> of course, he does. Yeah, except now he wears graphics tees instead of a, instead of a, a full kind of an outfit instead of that dumb fuck open shirtless robe. Um, which which although I, I do want to I do want to say to our to our audience. Um, because I want this to become a meme within the within the podcast, um, uh, is is that Lawler did get an honorary shut up Lawler for having the crown. He didn't <laughs> say anything bad, but the fact that he had the crown got him an honorary shut up Lawler. So it bought a bing bada boom. Hey, uh, now again, Law- Lawler at this point in time is is not nearly as obnoxious mm-hmm. because, and it's really because of the constraints of at very least the TV the TV rating now. Like he can't say things as gross and <laughs> yeah. offensive as he used to, so he's kind of just resigned to dad jokes. And thankfully, I honestly, it's a good thing that Vicky Guerrero was not allowed to be at ringside for her match because if she was there, yikes, it would have been rough. As someone who's seen enough of oh, matches where does- Lawler gets really gross when he talks about Vicky, I will say it was, it was, it was kind of funny to have Cole like the extent of Cole's healness in this in this uh, episode be uh, be calling Vicky a peach <laughs> like yeah like he or, like, or no an angel that's what, he that's calls, what he her an, calls her an angel even though of course no she's isn't she keeps trying to cheat on behalf of Dolph <laughs> she is a yeah, like, I can I can at the very least like that's funny like like you're like you're doing the bit with with like this comedy character and like it's yeah, yeah that's a good joke I'll I'll give it to you that's 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 entertaining mm-hmm. um but yeah that was uh that was a lot of fun um 
again, thanks to Vicky just being a fun character, mostly. Yeah, Vicky, um, Vicky Guerrero is, but, is very is is really fun. You know, speaking of characters who get the shaft, I've been learning recently that poor Kane just, like, can never catch a break either. And I do want to touch on the fact that he was, like, the first <laughs> he was the first match of this episode um, against CM Punk, actually. Uh, and then CM Punk just ended the episode by, like, bitching out and leaving. He's um, like, uh, I was like, and okay, so, like, Kane got a victory, sure. Yeah, yeah, I keep accidentally hitting and, him. All and I there was much rejoicing. Yay! We keep accidentally hitting episodes <laughs> where Kane just kind of gets the short end of the stick. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he wrestled in the 2013 episode. It was his lackeys. Um, mm -hmm. It was just like Kane for some reason. See, the weird thing was just like him coming across as like a beleaguered like reality TV character. Just like, God damn it with these idiots. Like, mm -hmm. like, why can't my lackeys just do things? Like, he just kind of seemed like, 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 ugh, well, this shit again. Like, yeah, like mm -hmm. he, do he doesn't mm -hmm. read as a de devil. He's just kind of like the devil's a dude, favorite demon, a really David. The devil's <laughs> favorite <laughs> he doesn't demon. Read like that. <laughs> the only thing about him that reads like that is he has that condition where his eyes are two different colors, and one of them's like this ghostly, like pale blue, which is cool. I like it, but he doesn't even have his goddamn mask, and, yeah, and, and, nor his hair, which I guess is a wig for some is. reason. It is. It's always been a wig. But, uh... Why do they have Kane in a wig? I just don't... You know, it's just not the same now that Kane doesn't set people on fire anymore. You know, he just doesn't seem as intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's, it's just funny to me. Like, like... We have this character who's supposed to be like a scary demon man, and he's just he just can't win. And when he does, it's just because CM Punk bitches out. Like, what is this? What is what is their writing for Kane? He's just there at this point. He doesn't have a storyline going right now. Yeah, it's so funny to me, like how they can like pick people for episodes because like because mm -hmm. like you just it, it almost seems like a weird sort of random rotation of like okay now we got to do stuff with this guy and it's it's yeah uh, it's it's just it's i don't know just what an interesting way to start the match is is we <laughs> we start off with with for some reason, Shawn Michaels hawking his TV show, and then we have CM Punk insulting him. His TV for show some on reason. the goddamn have... War Channel. Yeah, and then and then we then we have the actually entertaining Booker T cutting in, or, or no? Then we have the then we have the the anonymous uh, the anonymous commissioner being like, "Hey, CM Punk, I'm going to make a wrestle match right now." Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and Booker T being actually entertaining and he spins the wheel and boop uh random opponent okay, match okay. I, want to, I want to point out that is the like, you want to like honestly the most accidentally funny thing on this episode is if you really try to think out the logic behind that whole segment okay so they're like you're gonna have a match right now he spins the wheel it lands on random and immediately booker t both has the name of who he's gonna fight and the guy he's gonna fight is standing next to the wheel <laughs> And, and and on top of that, like, like again, 
poke plot holes in WWE. But how like, dare you? Wouldn't he already be fighting a random person? Like, why? Why? Why is it a random? Ma- he already. Like who is? Adam, like, yeah, like okay, it's, like that's it's, a good point. Is it, if he doesn't land on random, if he lands on like anything else, who does he fight? Because he doesn't have a name of somebody. It's always going to be random. I guess Kane still. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it, it's just what that. Why was that the gimmick? Like, sure, I guess we got to start with an easier gimmick to like warm the audience up to the fact that we have a we have a wheel of fate that that are gonna decide the matches. But it's just like if you think about it for more, more than ten seconds, you're just like, eh, don't cry. I just, just kind of want to imagine that like Kane was pre-selected to be the random opponent. So like, if he didn't get Punk the whole rest of the night, he just stands there by the wheel waiting for someone to land on random match. <laughs> Yeah, he just spends the whole and they, and they like and they and they can't like cut over to 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 that side of the screen until like yeah to, no. to preserve the reveal. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Um, thankfully, he thankfully they got him out yeah, of the way beautiful. early, so they had better. So they had more. They had more. Fun. Oh yeah! I oh I, oh, oh thank God! God. I, I I would have been worrying about that. Like it yeah, like, no. like it like this, it would have like it's, it it's funny like Yeah. <laughs> God. Like it would have also been funny if like thank God they got a cage match because you know they brought that whole cage and they set it up, you know, it'd, it'd be kind of unfortunate if, yeah. if, if a cage match didn't end up happening. <laughs> be like, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. I I it, it's just like, man, it this episode is a such a funny combo of like of really well utilized potential and just wasted potential. Mm-hmm. Um, which like, or not even that it's just like, it's just reminding us like, man, poor Kane just gets shafted a lot or like, <laughs> man, it sure is. It, it, it sure is like, um, sure is cool that, that they make, they make Sin Cara wrestle in those shitty conditions. Thank God he didn't botch anything in this match. Despite that. Um, uh, but then, tornado match um or for that matter i do want to th- to the um to the the cena match first of all mm-hmm. um because uh he and he and our truth are talented wrestlers um and the uh oh okay i've been so good about names all episode who's vicky's client oh, uh Dolph ziggler client no, no, not oh, not Dolphin. Uh, Kofi. Who's, who's Dolph fighting? Kofi Kingston. Kofi, yeah, Kofi Kingston, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, so good about names all episode. Kofi. Yeah. That's um, sick. That's sick move where he like bounces off the ropes on his shoulders and then and yeah. then turns around. Yeah, Kofi, Kofi, Kofi gave a phenomenal show. Um, Dolph gave a pretty good show. Uh, mm-hmm. For the most part, as, again, aside from poor Kane, everyone did, uh, and, and I guess kind of Del Rio, because it's just it, it just felt kind of like standard. That was but honestly, everyone put on a pretty good show for this. Like, like that, the Del Rio Big Show was kind of like the most disappointing match, because obviously they don't really have a lot of time, but like it, re- it felt like nothing was happening at all. Yeah. 
that that was just a that was just a um it it just it, it it just felt by the you know by the numbers. Yeah, it but felt like they felt again, like they were treading we water until Mark Henry showed up. <laughs> yeah, um, but for the most part, um, even with the kind of like disappointing things or the kind of like by the book, the the display of athleticism from everybody. Again, mm-hmm. Kofi was the one that I really really respected. Like like he just he seemed like he he has a lot of like um that kind of is going underutilized with his. Mm-hmm lower kind of character position within the show um but at the very least a fun uh a fun match like uh, or fun episode like uh uh ring work right wise and then the ending of course was a phenomenal way to cap it all off just like all of a sudden, an episode with a whole with not a whole lot of story. Boom! Story explosion in oh. the form of this grand monologue. Oh, you want story, huh? Ba bam! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you some fucking story. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I think this was a, a fun episode, and a, a lot more fun than I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it kind of grew for me as as it like it, it grew on me as it as it went on I, to start i was like eh. uh but then it kept going i'm like okay I, yeah i i was able to get into it a decent amount again it wasn't the most like the the best thing we've watched but uh but it was it was it was a it was a fun time pretty consistently especially as it kind of like went got going nothing yeah. nothing to write home about but a good diversion of an episode yeah, and I, I think it's realistic to expect that sometimes it's going to be like that because it's hard writing W for WWE. You know, you got to do like four to five hours of primetime TV every single week, no breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it is yeah, a lot I, like it is a lot like a soap opera in that way, and that like not everything's going to be like super plot heavy and for plot as developing. As, for as much as I'll, I'll give. Yeah, for as much as I'll give the writing crap uh, mm-hmm. uh, for for when it's not doing particularly well, like I, I I'm gonna I'm I'm trying to restrict my like actual ire for like only when the writing gets like actually problematic, mm-hmm. um, because uh, when it's just kind of like bland or by the numbers, I can't dislike it too much because it just kind of comes with the territory. Uh, as long as I have, have like some fun during the episode, I'm not going to like bash it as like, this was awful to watch just cause you know, I get it. You can't, you just, the, the sheer volume of content these people have to pump out on, on the regular is a lot. Um, and the fact that we, uh, were treated to as much as we are, you know, that's, that is a, a bit of a privilege as an audience member. Mm-hmm. And so, we then kind of have the understanding on our own right of like, cool, if we want to have this much content to watch, we got to take the rough with the smooth. And yeah. It's not roll with it. You can't, so, you, yeah. you, you can't, you can't be on fire the whole, for a whole year, you know, there's going to, there's going to be down periods and, and you're really just kind of wanting those down periods to be fun in their own right, as opposed to like terrible. Yeah. And this was fun enough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pleasantly surprised at the at the um the the good parts that, that were there really again um cm punk was the absolute star of this episode this man this man when he's given the right material is able to chew the scenery and make for just such a delightful villain i i i could i i would 
I would like to play this character as a as like a stage role. Like he <laughs> he he does he just gives this great kind of like reckless abandon to this to this to this villain. Um and and it makes for a good show whenever he's whenever he's on and uh I can see why the summer of punk was the summer of punk because mm-hmm. this man this man knew how to do his stuff. Absolutely. So, I think that is a good wrap for this episode. Um where what happens next week, David? Unfortunately, I guess I can't really well, prom- I guess I can't really promise you much in the way of strong plot development next week either. But oh man, are we gonna well, have some well, fun? Next I guarantee week, next week it. A, next week is our special is our special is next week. Not to not to not to uh not to spoil things too much for the but next week's our Christmas special, guys. Be it is be ready. We are, and we are, we are going back. We are going back forward in time to the wonderful time of December 2012 for for a WWE Christmas that is, if nothing else, very, very memorable. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And like like any self respecting, uh, just just as things to look forward to, like any self respecting Christmas special uh, in the modern era, we of course uh, will will drag in a special guest star. Um, and and the I think I think the I think the the slight the slight irony um, in 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 the special guest star we're we're dragging in here is that we are bringing our Jewish friend into <laughs> a, into the. Uh, well, the Christonormativity, well, as it okay. were. Okay, I guess um, if you're gonna say uh, it. Then like... I, okay, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but I guess if you are, <laughs> I was. I mean, I was thinking about that, and I was like, "Yeah," because next week's gonna be, I think, just a fun, silly time to be had by all. Um, Indeed. So. Guess we gotta plug our stuff on the way out, especially because uh, David the poor Jews into into celebrating Christmas for our, for entertainment. All right. Um, yeah, I think we gotta p- start plugging our stuff on the way out. Oh shoot, we forgot to do that, didn't we? No, I planned it for the end. I'll have you know. <sighs> All right. Um, I have lost David. It seems um, fun times to be had here, folks. So I'll go ahead and plug our stuff. You can find us on the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. You can find us on YouTube, and this is very exciting. And I'm sad I have to lose David here for this one. Um, we, you can find us on Spotify now, and you can find us on the iTunes Store. <clears throat> uh, thank you. And have and have yes. a wonderful evening, guys. We just got approved by Apple. Yeah, take care, everyone. Bye.